Well, good morning, everyone. Would you stand and join with us as we worship our incredible God?
All right, there I am. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it, we just want to take a moment to say thank you for some very special people uh, in our lives, and that is the fathers, the father figures as well as our lives. Some of us are blessed to have our fathers with us, and we're so very thankful for that. Hope you take time during the day to tell them how much you love them and appreciate them. Some of us, our fathers are already gone, and we want to honor their memory. Uh, some of us, it was those who were father figures in our lives, those who stepped in to avoid. And for some of us, it's even the whole, uh, God, the Father himself, who stepped into that place in our lives and been that person that we so desperately need to be the dependable Father in our lives. So we want to take a moment and say thank you to these wonderful, wonderful men. Will you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for the men who you brought into our lives. Thank you for those physical fathers who have been there for us, bounced us on their knee, chased us around, gives a good spanking every now and then when we needed it. They were there to be our rocks, to be the ones who taught us the mileposts in life. Father, we just want to honor them today. We want to thank you, Lord, for others who are father figures in our lives, those who have been there maybe in the absence of our Father or along beside our fathers, just other very specific men that we want to honor today and thank you for being so good to us by bringing them into our lives. Father, you are the great Father. For many of us who suffer from Father hunger, the absence of fathers in our lives, we have found in you the Father that is always faithful, who will never leave us, never forsake us, always be there. And Lord, we want to honor you first and foremost today. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much that you gave us fathers and the mothers that we have and we bless you for the gift that they are and we bless them for being constant in our lives in Christ's name we pray Amen 
Hey, while we were uh, on this hiatus for a while and not able to be together, we missed several milestones that are very special to us in the life of our church. Usually over Easter, we have a focused time that we do a special offering for those missionaries that serve in North America. Uh, during Christmas time, we honor those who serve all the way around the world. But this is our Annie Armstrong Easter offering time. We had to put that off because we weren't together. Uh, so we're going to be doing that for the next couple of weeks. You know, when people leave where they're safe, where they leave where home and, and it's many times their family, and go to places they've never been to before because God's giving them a burden and, and a heavy heart for this area, we might ask ourselves, why do you do this? And those missionaries are often asked that question. So I'd like for them to answer that question this morning. Will you watch this video with me, please? Sometimes people ask why. Why do we do this? When we came up here, I didn't feel capable. Because I was scared. Why do we take our families away from places that are familiar and move to places that are far off? My wife was nine months pregnant, and we did not know one person who lived in the city. Why do we come to where there's nothing so we can try and start something? The Lord really just he broke my heart for this city before I stepped off the plane. Why do we stress and strain and struggle and sweat just to make life better for someone else? There's so many people that are broken, that are lost, and it's heartbreaking. Yes, sometimes people ask why, and when they do, we tell them. There's places where the truth hasn't yet reached. We need to share the gospel and reach out to our community. We tell them there's a God who loves them so much, He sent us. God spoke to us, broke our hearts for the city, and God's call trumps all. And we tell them there are people who love them so much. They give so that we can go. When people give uh, to missions, things happen. New believers are getting baptized. New churches are started. So when people ask why, that's what we tell them. We tell them it's the gospel. It's all about the gospel. We are privileged to be a part of what's going on all the way around our world and throughout North America by our ongoing North American missions program, but especially during this time of year when we can focus our giving to the support of our missionaries. So over the course of the next uh, couple of weeks, we're gonna be receiving this offering, and I hope you'll pray much, and God will give us good direction in that. You know, we wanna worship our mighty God, a God who supplied all our needs, a God who's enabled us during this time of pandemic to be able to reach out in our community and minister in creative ways, and we have not ceased to do all of the things God has called us to do here and in large measures because of your faithfulness in giving, but also in your praying. So let's worship our mighty God today. Let's join together.
with me. The sun comes up. It's a Oh, uh-huh.
which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons to service where we would normally take our offering and uh whoo god's good whoo okay all right give me a sec um and like i said we're coming to the part where we normally take our offering and we don't do this just to get money we don't do this we do it because god has given us everything in his son everything that we own is not ours it is all God's 
and he commands us to give back to him. And so, while it will look a little bit different today, because the ushers won't be coming around, they'll, they'll have stuff in the back when you leave. And for those of you that are watching online, there's ways to give online. Uh, just go to our website, fbcvision.com, or come by the office, drop it off. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to see you. Um, but this is all about a time of giving what God has given us back to him. This is just another way that we worship God by giving back to him. And so many things, even throughout this pandemic, I know we haven't been meeting together now long. We've been apart for a very long time, it feels like. But God's been doing some incredible things because you have been faithful in your giving. And it's been so cool to see. And so I just want to pray for us over whatever it is you're giving back to God that he can do so many more things than we could ever imagine. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are, you are so good. And so I just pray that whatever we give back to you today, whether it's our money, whether it's our time, whether it's our resources, God, whether it's the gifts and skills and abilities that you have given us, I pray whatever we give back today, God, you would multiply it tenfold. God, and that we would see people coming in droves to give their life to you. God, again, you are so good. And I'm thankful for the reminder that the song that we just sang that, yes, you have saved me. God, but you saved me because it was my sin that put you on the cross. God, remind us that we had a hand in that. God, that if you saved us from our sins, it was also our sins that put you there. But because you are good and merciful and loving, you provided a way for us to have a relationship with you, God. So thank you so much. We love you. We praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.
God, again, we just thank you. God, we thank you for your goodness, for your love, for your mercy. I pray now that as Fred comes and brings us the word, God, that you would just be with him, that it would be your words flowing through him. God, that lives would leave this building today changed. God, that walks with you would be restored, renewed. God, that if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you, God, would you stir something in their hearts today? But God, may this time glorify you. We love you. We praise you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles, please, and turn again to the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. Um, those of you who have been around here for about 16 to 18 months, you know we've been on quite a journey with this passage of Scripture. The Lord put it on my heart about two years ago that we needed to study through everything Jesus said and do, did the last night before he surrendered himself to the cross. And so we started in the 13th chapter of John, and now we're at the end of this, what's called the Upper Room Discourse as we come to the conclusion of the 17th chapter, the conclusion of his uh, final prayer here. Jesus wanted to focus here this period of time <clears throat> about helping his men to be prepared for what was coming. And what was coming was going to be the cross. What was coming was going to be them being left alone. And so beginning with an example by washing the disciples' feet and going through all the things that he taught them about what it meant to abide in Christ, all of these things one on top of the other. Now, as we get to this last chapter, Jesus stops his teaching, and he just begins to pray. And the disciples are all around. And so they're hearing him at prayer. They're hearing the Son of God 
praying to God the Father, and a lot of it on their behalf. Can you imagine? Some of you have done this before. You have overheard people praying for you. Maybe it's your children or grandchildren praying for you. That's so very, very precious. Maybe it was a, a mom or a dad or a grandparent that was praying for you, and you had the privilege of overhearing their prayers. Well, God in His great wonder made it such that John recorded every word of this prayer so that you and I, literally now, we are overhearing Jesus Christ at prayer, overhearing Him lifting up His soul before the Father. Now, this prayer divides itself naturally into three little parts. The first part in the first five verses has to do with Jesus praying for Himself. Then, beginning with verse 6 and going all the way to verse 19, Jesus was praying for the people right there in the room with Him. And He made it clear that's who He was praying for during that period of time. Now, as we come in with verse 20, we're going to start reading in just a moment. Jesus begins to focus on praying for us. Yes, us. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, that day he was focusing his prayer on us. Now, as we've studied this prayer, we found four great privileges that Jesus is asking the Father that would be ours, that flowing out of this prayer. In those first five verses, we found the privilege of sharing his life. When you and I come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are grafted into His life. The very life of God, we're grafted into His life. I think of it like a, a single raindrop falling into a mighty rushing river. And that river is the life of God. And you and I fall into that when we're saved. We're grafted into that. We're one with that flow that's going. And we looked at what it meant to be a part of the life of God. The second thing that was a unique privilege is we get to know the very character of God. How? Jesus would disclose the names of God. And he would make it clear these names applied to him as well. And so we grasp the very nature of who God is as Jesus began to reveal it's a privilege to know who God is and to hear that teaching from the very lips of Jesus. The third distinct privilege of ours are promises. Promises that Jesus asked the Father to make to us. And that's what we looked at last week. Promises that Jesus asked the Father to make towards us because we are His children. Today we look at the final of those privileges and this is the privilege if we get to share His glory. We get to share His glory. Read with me beginning at verse 20. John chapter 17 beginning with verse 20. Jesus said, I do not pray for these alone, these surrounding him, those, the apostles and others that were there in the upper room. I don't pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now, that, that's where it becomes you and I. We're going to get to that in just a few moments, but I just want to point that out right here. That they may be one. Now, this is a recurring theme. He's already prayed for this earlier. He's about to mention it again. That they may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. That they also may be one in us. That, in order that, with the result that, the world may believe that you sent me. That's another occurring theme. Be listening for it. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, in unity. 
and that the world may know that you sent me, there it is again, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, you who caused John to be able to remember these words and then record them, you who have hovered over these words and kept them safe throughout the centuries, now by your grace, Holy Spirit, we will get to overhear Jesus Christ praying for us. Let it be so, Lord Jesus, as only you can make it so. In Christ's name, amen. Now, in this final concluding passage, Jesus really has two requests. Two requests, and then he has a summation. These two requests. The first request he has of the Father is this. Lord, that they might be one in us. That they may have unity. So he prays that they would be united. And then the second request is, Lord, I pray that we would be reunited with them in heaven. United here, reunited there. That's in your notes. United here, reunited there. So let's look at this first part of this request, that we would be united here. The first thought is this. Jesus identifies us as the recipient of his prayers. I do not pray for these in the room with me alone, but also for those who will believe in me through your word. Now, do you know that you have a spiritual family tree? You do. You have a physical family tree, your mama, your daddy, and then it branches, her, his folks, her folks. You and I have a spiritual family tree. Someone, if you're a believer in Christ, someone led you to faith in Christ. That person is your spiritual father or mother, spiritual older brother, older sister. But, listen, someone led that person to faith in Christ. And then someone led that person to faith in Christ. And if you go on and trace that family tree all the way back through the millennia, it's going to land on the shoulders of one of these apostles. One of these were in your family tree. You are a believer because of the words they proclaimed and the words they wrote down and they have been preached and shared from generation to generation until a gospel came to you and now you are a believer as well. And so Jesus focuses His prayer on us today. Father, I'm not praying just for these right now that are around me. But as they go forth in preaching, as they go forth in teaching, as they repeat the words and duplicate the works that I have done, many others are going to come to faith in me. And those are the ones I'm praying for today. So I want you to know you can cup your ear and hear the Lord Jesus Christ praying for you today. 
The book of Hebrews says that he ever lives to make intercession before the right hand of God for you and I. Jesus is praying for us. So I want you to see, first of all, that you have a spiritual family tree. And that family tree takes you back to one or more of these apostles and the words they, they wrote down. So the work of evangelism has many purposes. But he says right here, one of these purposes of them doing all of that preaching and teaching and witnessing and being killed as martyrs, it has this purpose, that they may be one. There's your second thought. That they may be one. Father, that they may be one as you, the Father, are in me and I am in you, but also that they'll be one in us, that, in order that, with the results, that the world may believe that you sent me. Three very distinct points right here in this verse I want you to grasp. First of all, oneness, unity, begins with us abiding in Christ. In our study, we spent a great deal of time on the 15th chapter. 15th chapter of John. And, and that's where, where Jesus is speaking and he said, I am the vine, my Father is the vine dresser, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him brings forth much fruit. Abide. We, we took that, ver, that word meno, we took that word abide apart. We really got to know what that means. It means to draw life-giving source from. It's just like the branch inside the trunk draws all the nutrients out of the earth and up through the trunk and into that branch. It, it, he said, you're going to draw your life, your purpose, your essence. You're going to draw that through me. That's what it means to abide. Now, as we abide in him and as we abide in his word and we pray in fellowship with him, there grows a unique oneness, a unique oneness that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important for us to spend time with Him every day in prayer, every day in His Word, because He's making us one. Our will is becoming His will. He is beginning to, to be able to overcome many of the battles and things that are fighting in our own lives. We get to surrender to Him. We get to share with Him everything that's going on in our lives. And out of that oneness, out of that abiding, we have this intimacy with the Lord. I hope you're learning what that means more every day. I hope you're having time every day with the Lord and out of the sweetness of that fellowship, you're finding your life being transformed more and more and more until it's taking on the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. That process is called sanctification in the Bible. And what it means is we're growing in Him and we're growing to be more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the oneness. Now that's where it starts. And He's saying, Father, I want them to be one with me. I want us to have one heart and, and one mind and one purpose, oneness. Now, out of that flows the oneness that you have with brothers and sisters in Christ. He prays now for the group of them. And he says, now, I want them to be one in us. One in us. Unity in the body of Christ flows out of our unity with the Lord Jesus Christ, our individual unity. And if you're walking with Christ, you're abiding within Him, He's living in you, He's growing in your life, then you know what? He's doing that with your brother and sister in Christ as well. And what happens is there comes this incredible unity, this incredible oneness. And it, it, it translates far beyond languages or nations or peoples or skin colors. 
doesn't matter. There is this incredible sense of oneness because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some years ago, when Larry and I took a group from our church and community to the Holy Land, one of the places that I love to go, you can still visit the upper room where all of this happened. Or I wish I could just take you all with me right now and could gather you in that, that place, in the upper room. And we had gathered there and we've moved over. It's not a very big place. <laughs> uh, we moved over into a corner and we'd gathered together quietly and we'd had a time of prayer and thanksgiving and we were weeping about all of the things that had happened there in that particular place, right where our knees were on the ground. And about that time, a group of Koreans came in. And they came in very quietly, very very uh, demurely. They gathered in the center of the room because the corners were all kind of taken at the time. They gathered in the center of the room and they began to pray quietly. But then that, that prayer took on a life of itself and it began to grow louder and louder. And then one of them started singing and another one started singing. And I want you to know we could not get off our knees. And our spirits bore witness with their spirit. We were weeping in the spirit with them. I don't know a bit of Korean. I want you to know that. But I know what they were doing. Their hearts were in touch with my Lord. And there was this oneness with us. And as we stood up, we embraced with them. We, we, we talked as best we could with them. They, they had one interpreter for about 40 people that were in there. That's the way the body of Christ is. Because of our individual oneness with the Lord Jesus Christ. Anytime we come in contact with someone who also knows the Lord Jesus, there's an immediate connection. There's an immediate affinity there. And as we travel, we, we have missionaries come out of our church to go all the way around the world. And, and I shared earlier, Bob Crow was here earlier in the ministry that he has in the Ukraine with Business to People Network. He's constantly meeting new believers in Christ and new people coming to faith in Christ by that ministry. But when he goes, he may understand just a few words here or there between them. But there is this bond. This bond. And that bond is out of the unity that grows because we're individually in Christ. And then we're collectively in Christ. This is what binds us together across all of our denominational lines. We each and every one in our evangelical denominations, we have differences of opinion, how we do baptism, how we do the Lord's Supper, how we do this, that, or the other. And, and, and you know what? It, there's all kinds of differences there. When I'm, I meet with my brothers and sisters in Christ from all the different denominations, we gather together for various events. You know, we have a lot of differences. And they have their right to be wrong. Okay? All right. But it's that which holds us together. Our common faith in the virgin-born Savior that lived a perfect life, died on the cross to take our sins upon Himself, rose again the third day that we might have eternal life, and has ascended to the right hand of the Father, even now as He lives to make intercession for that. That's what holds us together. And that's why here in the body of Christ we can be so very different come from different places, have different preferences. But look what holds us together. The bondage. Now, now, listen to me very carefully. If you, as a brother or sister in Jesus Christ, is on the outs with somebody else as a brother or sister in Jesus Christ, let me tell you, one or both of you are not abiding in Him. 
One or both of you are not walking in unity with the Lord. Because where there is this unity, God will bring peace. As we focus on Him, the reason that we're together, the reason that He has called us together. And any time any argument needs to be settled, it has to be settled around the cross of Christ and what He's done for us. And how He's paid the price for our sins. And He's forgiven us to where we can forgive one another and stand up and walk together in unity. So the unity begins with our individual abiding in Christ, but then it grows as we're gathered with others that are abiding in Christ. And He has one purpose and one mission and one love and one desire, and that's that unity. And look at what the focus of that is. Okay? One in relation to Him, one in relation to one another. That, in order that, with the purpose that the world may believe that God sent him. Now, you know, when something, Jesus says something is important. When he says something twice, you need to really pay attention. But when he says something three times, folks, he's trying to get your attention. He said, the reason for this unity, the purpose for all of this is that the world may be able to see that the church of Jesus Christ has one central focus to understand, this world understand, that God the Father sent God the Son to redeem our lives. When the earth looks around and sees the body of Christ and sees them united, one purpose seeking to minister to those in this time of a pandemic those who've lost jobs or had their hours cut or don't have sufficient food or having difficulty paying their rent or whatever. Those who are having problems in this world as this world sees the church of Jesus Christ reaching out in the name of Christ in love and practical help and aid. The world steps back and says, there's something to this. There's something to this faith. There's, there, there's changed lives here. People that are traveling all the way around the world to bring the gospel. There's got to be something to this. Yeah. And God is getting glory because the world is seeing Christians united for a common purpose and theme. Listen, when the church is squabbling with one another, when the church is divided, when a denomination is more known for what they're against than what it is they're for? What is the image we're portraying to this lost and dying world? That we can't agree on what's most important. We're going to get all upset about some little something, color of the carpet, the color of the paint, or whatever the case may be. We're going to let that divide us. And the world says, Ain't nothing to that faith. Ain't nothing to it. Well, what good does it do them? Why would I consider it? It doesn't do them a lick of good. See how important it is? The Scripture says for brethren to dwell together in unity. Jesus' first part of His prayer is that we would be, we would be united here. The second part of His prayer is that we would be reunited there. That's the next thing in your notes. Look here at, at thought number three. Thought number three is for glory to be given. The glory that you gave me, I have given them that they may know 
that they may be one just as we are. I in them and you in me. That they may be perfect in one. Perfected in love. I, I got to wondering about that word. What is that word? I, I couldn't remember what it was. And so I, I went to the ancient language, began to dig in there, and I said, oh, that's what that word is. And the word is teleos, where we get the word that Jesus uttered from the cross, tetelestai, which means it's finished, it's accomplished, it's done. And so he's, he's saying, God, here's what I'm praying, that, that they will be so one, it is done, it's accomplished. And that oneness flows out of what he did on the cross and conquering death in the empty grave, that they may be perfected, perfected in their oneness. When you think of glory, glory is God's manifested presence, okay? It's where God gets visible, all right? You see it in the Old Testament when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness. It was a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. That was the Shekinah glory, his manifested presence right there for all to see. When Jesus took Peter and James and John and went up on a mountain there in the Holy Land, and then God came and appeared to him in the glory cloud, remember? And, and shined there and and the, the guys wanted to make uh, temples booths for them to just sit there and bask in the glory. It was the Shekinah glory, the visible presence of God coming down. The visible presence of God, listen, is on each of us. The visible presence of God is on each and every one of us. It's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. The peace of the Lord which keeps us even in these difficult times. It's the presence of God that gives us strength when otherwise our knees would be absolutely failing us. But the glory, listen, is not given so that we can be proud and boast of it. Wow, God, look at me. Mm Mm-hmm. Everybody see how an outstanding Christian I am, right? Mm-hmm. We just destroyed it. We, we just destroyed it. No, the glory is given that this world can know that God the Father got the, the, sent the Son. That God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life see all the glory goes back to God not to any of us we don't need to deserve a bit of it but here's what Jesus is saying God I, I want them to be glorified I want your glory to be all over them with the result that people are going to say wow look at what Jesus did in this life look at what Jesus did in this home look how Jesus broke that addiction Look how Jesus healed that broken relationship. Look how Jesus brought this lost family back together again. Not that that they would receive the glory, but that He would receive the glory. God, I want their glory to be manifested. And then, thought four, is heaven promised. Father, I desire that they also that You gave me may be with me where I am. With me where I am. 
Will you just sit there just a minute? Will you hear Jesus right now saying, God, I, I want Buck to be with me. God, I, w- I want Susan to be with me. They're, 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 they're our child. They've believed in the cross They've they've accepted my eternal life and they're not perfect. But here's my plea to you, Father. I want them with me. Can you hear the Lord praying that over you right now? Put your name in that blank. He's praying for us. God, I want them to be with me. Why? That they can see my glory. But not only that, that they can share our love. They can share our love. That, that he said, I, Jesus said, God, the, the Father that you, the love you've loved me with, I've loved them with. And now, God, that same love that you've loved me with, I want you to love them with. And I want them to be with me so they can get right in the middle of that and experience that love together with us. Friday afternoon and Saturday, we had grandkids, some of the grandkids over our house and Getting ready to leave uh, yesterday afternoon. Our, our Kara, she's a big hugger. And, and there's a contest between her and her brother who gets the last hug from Grandma and Grandpa. But anyway, there was a point that, that we wanted to give a hug. And Kara wanted a hug between me and Grandma. That's where she gets in the middle and we get together. We give her a group hug, a, ha- a hug sandwich, okay? Squeeze her real good. And so we had her in there. We were giving her a good squeeze and kissing her on the top of the head. And all of a sudden, something hit me. God the Father, God the Son, putting Fred in the middle for a big old squoze, a big old hug. God, I want Fred to experience the magnitude of our love for one another, and it's flowing right through him. I want him to experience the love that we share with one another, and that's part of our oneness. I want them to know that love. That's Jesus' prayer over you right now. To put you in that kind of a hug between Him and the Father. To know that kind of love. And in these last two verses, Jesus kind of sums up the whole prayer. He sums up the whole prayer and He, he says, He's thanking God, God, thank You that I've been able to uh, uh, let them know You through me. Thank You that I've been able to share with them who You are through Your name. And thank you, Lord, that they've now begun to experience the same love that we have. Let me ask you a minute. Pause as we kind of bring this together. What does it mean for you to think a moment? What does it mean for you that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is right now praying for you? Right this moment. Jesus Christ is praying for you. What, what does that mean to you? If, if you're not a believer in Christ, that, can I tell you exactly what that means? It means that Jesus Christ is besearching the Father. Father, draw them to me. Draw them to me because I, I have died on the cross that my blood can cleanse their sins. I rose from the grave that they might have our life. 
Father, draw them to Me. I'm here ready to receive them. Holy Spirit, set the arena around them to where they can have belief. And put belief in their heart. Right now, Christ is praying for you to come to faith in Him. If you've not already, that's His prayer. That's Jesus' prayer for you right now. If you are a believer in Christ, His prayer is, Oh, oh Father, I want you to unite them right now. Unite them in us as, as they're living in vital union with us. Unite, unite them here. And then reunite us there. Use them here to bring us glory. That they may partake in our glory there. And experience greater love than they thought was ever even possible. Can you hear? Can you hear the Lord praying for you? Right now, he's praying that you would come to faith in him. Or that you would be one with him. Bow your heads. Holy Spirit, enable us to hear the prayers of the Lord Jesus for us. Some, Lord, need to respond to that prayer because the Lord Jesus is beseeching the Father, Father, draw them. Draw them to Me. Draw them to dare to believe that I died to take their sins upon Myself. Draw them to believe that I raised from the dead to where they can have eternal life. Draw them to where they can just say, Oh God, I confess I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. God, I confess my sins to You. I want to turn away from my way of doing things. I want to follow You. Come into my heart and cleanse me. Forgive me. Be the boss and the ruler, the, the changer in my life. I give my life to You. Father, I, I can hear Jesus whispering into Your ear. Draw them, Father. Draw them to me. Lord, I pray that even here today, either here on the church campus or watching by means of our media program, that someone right now will just cry out to God, God, today's the day. I ask You to accept me. Forgive me and cleanse me. I want You to come into the heart and be the boss in my life. Father, we want to rejoice with them. Heaven's rejoicing. We want to rejoice with them. Father, there are others. Some here. Some at home. That maybe for the first time have really grasped that You, Lord Jesus, even now, this very moment, love them so dearly. You're praying for them. You're praying that they'll be one. You're praying that they'll be one with other brothers and sisters. You're praying that you might be glorified in their lives. Holy Spirit, may we hear the Savior's prayers for us and be moved thereby. Father, some this morning here in our sanctuary want to accept you as Savior and Lord. 
So in the next few moments, will you encourage them to come and just take a seat on the front row? Allow me or Goody or, or Tony to just come and share with them about what that means. Others may want to join our fellowship. Will you encourage them to come in the next few moments, take their seat on the front row, and we'll gather with them in a few moments and welcome them into the family. Some may want to come to the altar and just pray. Pray praise and thanksgiving for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. Maybe pray out of deep burden they have. Lord, this is your time. Do business in our hearts. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Will you stand please and sing along with our praise team. And as Holy Spirit has given you nudge, the altar is open. We're here. Come. Come right away. Father God, you're doing such a good work in our hearts. You've warmed us deeply by knowing the Son is standing before you, pleading for us. It gives us even more desire to walk in humble obedience. It gives us all the more power to be about our Father's business, to know that none other than Jesus bowing his knees for us today. So Father, we want to serve you. We want to follow the Lord Jesus. 
We want Holy Spirit to fill us and enable us for all you have us to do. So as we go our different ways, Lord, may we go empowered by you, encouraged by you, more united with you than ever, more united together than ever. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Folks, put on your armor, okay? (laughs) Be dismissed. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you again very soon.